You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we're going to have a great show today. Nithin Jilla, who is the founder and executive director for Dreams for Schools, is our guest. As you all know in our audience, periodically we talk with executive directors and founders of nonprofits here in Orange County, and Nithin's organization is just such an organization. So, Nithin, welcome to Critical Mass Business Talk Show. Yeah. Good morning, Rick. Thank you for having me. Excited Excited to be on here and share the story of our work and what we're doing. Yeah, let's start with your path to the organization. What was your original motivation to create Dreams for Schools? Yeah, good question. You know, so for me, it all started um, back in high school and college. Um, I studied computer science in my undergrad at UC Irvine, where I where I went to college, and that's what brought me down from the Bay Area. And at the university, you know, I'm a practical learner, and uh, there was a lot of theory, and so I set out with a group of students and a student club, and we created a lot of initiatives around how do we teach technology in a practical way, in a way that's meaningful, connected to workforce and industry. Um, So we created efforts at the university in the computer science school around teaching kids how to make mobile apps and teaching kids how to make websites. So our original audience for uh, some of the work that kind of paved the way was actually trying to provide more opportunities to college students um, that were relevant and tied to the industry. And, you know, when, when I think about technology, right, and you see it too. It's it's grown so much, and it's in so much. Uh, it's it's integrated so much as part of our daily life, right? When I when we when I look back at just kind of the progression of where we've come from and where we are now, like the agricultural age, we had thousands of years of that, and then we had the industrial age, which was hundreds of years. And you look at the technology age, and things happen in less than a decade, right? So the rate of change is so fast, and you know, the workforce that of tomorrow and everything we need, technology is kind of that horizontal across any vertical, whether you're in finance or uh, agriculture or education, it's there, but we need to train more talented students and a workforce for that. Uh, and we can't keep doing the same thing. So that's really kind of how it started. And at the time when we were college students, um, a group of us formed a club and we were part of it and did all these efforts which got noticed uh, by a few philanthropists. And uh, one of the philanthropists uh, and their uh, organization reached out to us and they said, hey, could you design a program to take mobile app development, which we were teaching college students, all the way to early learners in first Mm -hmm. and second grade? And that's when it really started uh, allowing me to reflect on my own education experience. And, you know, I got interested in computer science in high school because I had a really good teacher and uh, who made it practical and who made it fun. And he was also new at teaching it. It wasn't something that we had in the school. He had decided to start it himself. Um, so when I think about that, you know, and I grew up in Silicon Valley in the Bay Area. Um, and, and so it made me reflect that, you know, in my early elementary school, in my middle school years, I didn't really have exposure to technology and computer science. And a lot of kids don't even now. Um, so that's how we started with all of our efforts at Dreams for Schools. We, we said, let's try a pilot and create mm-hmm. a program around middle school, because in middle school, kids are around that age where they're exploring things and developmentally, they understand math, they understand a little bit of problem solving. Um, and to be honest, when, when we started, computer science and education were like 
two opposite things that really weren't intersecting yet um, less than 10 years ago. So that's, that's really how we started was with some pilots. Um, and then, you know, now we are a full blown organization that's been at this, uh, at this now and built out our pipeline. So, so, so let's talk about the mission for the organization and practically, and you're right, 10 years seems like a long time on the technology side, but 10 years yeah. is a blink of the eye as well. So yeah. what, what is, as the organization is currently structured and positioned, tell me about the mission. Yeah. So we, we really found, so our, our vision is to really bring more access and exposure to students, uh, especially in underserved at-risk communities uh, where access is an issue to STEAM opportunities. So STEAM for us, uh, we embrace science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Um, and really what we're looking at is going into communities and partnering with schools and areas where there's gaps, especially on the technology, computer science, and engineering side, and making sure we can come in and support those students or parents or districts in making sure we can fill those gaps with a pipeline of programming that allows for that experience to, you know, for, for a student to go have a meaningful experience and see if they're interested in pursuing technology in the long run. So are you working with the public education system, private education? Yeah. So we work with a range of stakeholders, uh, public schools, uh, uh, public school districts as well. We have a few private schools that we work with, uh, but mostly our focus is on the public education side. Um, and then we work a lot in out of school space with nonprofits and other community partners from boys and girls clubs to uh, homeless housing organizations uh, and to big brothers. So we're, we have a lot of a network of different stakeholders that we work with. Um, for us at the end of the day, it's how do we be a partner behind the scenes to a lot of the organizations that have built that infrastructure of kids and where they're meeting with kids, where they're uh, regularly having programming, how can we be a part of that and infuse STEAM oriented and computer science oriented programming is kind of the approach that we take now. So I, I want to delve into a little bit more of what the actual programs are. But before I go there, I, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking the impact of one motivated teacher in your high school gave you insight into technology. Then you took the initiative in college, if I have the story correct, to bring up other people with a similar passion. And then another individual who had the ability to maybe be a funder saw what you were doing. It's all about the people, isn't it? And the impact they have on, on others' lives. It really is. It really is. And it's funny you say that. The best advice I ever got is uh, early on, and I had a hard time understanding it, but now I think I, I grasp it as um, find people who you want to do life with, where you can be supportive of one another. And I, and I think I look back at my life and everything I've done, um, and I feel like it's been the people, right? People, people make it um, or break it a lot of times. And um, finding good people is tough, but that's why, you know, at Dreams for Schools, everything we're doing, we're always kind of focused on like building a family kind of feel, uh, Dreams for Schools family, as we call it. Once you're in, you're with us, uh, you're part of our journey, and you're helping us kind of walk forward in that sense. Yeah. So uh, I, I work with leaders here in Orange, business leaders here in Orange County, and we do an exercise when we do on a retreat and asking them who's been impactful in their life. And you can't take family. You got to take them off the, you know, who other than your immediate spouse or parents, whatever, had a lasting impact. And uh, I'm always impressed with how frequently it's a teacher somewhere in somebody's life, the power that educators have over students. And not only was it impact on you, 
but the downstream impact that you're now having on others by virtue, I think, partly of that purse, that teacher and it kind of taking the passion that he or she had for science to you, technology to you. And now who knows how many students you might be lighting up through the programs that you're putting into different schools. Yeah, no, absolutely. And educators, I think, are undervalued, as, as we all know. Uh, they have the hardest job, right? They get the most time with the kids day in, day out. And so uh, I think it is an important role. And, you know, we, we try to be that for a lot of kids in the after school space where oftentimes, you know, they don't have quality programming or don't have a space to go to. So, uh, no, I think I think being in this space is so rewarding when you are able to go through it. I mean, I, I go to site visits, talk to my team. We've had some amazing stories that we've learned about even this past week and so it's, it's pretty inspiring to be a part of this work. So let's talk about what happens in the classroom relative yeah. to Dreams for Schools. What type of programs are you working with schools to bring to these students? Yeah. So for us as, as the, at the organization, it all starts with curriculum. And so we have a big focus on developing STEAM curriculum. Um, so what that means is looking at what are the age groups that we're working with. And currently we work with grades first all the way to 12th is the pipeline. Um, when we started five years ago, we were only working with middle school, and then we are we've been slowly expanding our pipeline. So we first start with curriculum, and then we take that curriculum and actually build classes around it. So for our first and second graders, we have a Let's Explore STEAM program. For our third to fifth graders, we have a coding program where they're making their own games, and then we have an engineering program where they're actually learning about careers in civil engineering, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, and aerospace, and what that means, and doing projects around that. And then as they get older into middle school and high school, we have a whole program around mobile app development, where they're working in teams and learn about kind of how you can be creators of things instead of consumers of technology, um, and understand roles in UI, UX design, and programming. And then in our uh, later one, we have a web development course where students are actually learning to create their own websites. Um, like these are things that I wish like I knew how to do in early on in middle school and elementary, but that's what we're trying to do is build that pipeline. And, you know, today we have those programs in place. Um, one of the things that we do in the delivery of these programs is we pair all of our students up with college instructors. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, oftentimes when I think about our education system, right, we go from elementary, middle, high school, college, and then into workforce we don't really connect the dots looking back. So what we're trying to do with that is we're taking university students at the university level, college level, and giving them a chance to work with us, uh, be employed, um, have an internship and a mentorship opportunity where they can empower early learners and come back to oftentimes communities they grew up in where they didn't have these opportunities, but they're able to come back and bring those opportunities in uh, with our schools and to our students. And and so mentorship becomes a big piece of that. Um, to date, we've employed almost over 500 college students in the last five years. Um, and some of them stay with us on a seasonal basis, three months at a time, which is the length of a typical program for us. Some of them stay two years and they go season, uh, you know, every season throughout the year and they continue to teach different groups of kids. So for us, it's, it's all about pipeline building and we're doing that continuously on the curriculum. We're doing that more on uh, the delivery and we're hoping, you know, we can add more innovative programs as we grow as an organization and as technology evolves too, right? So are, we're... I'm sorry, I thought you were finished. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask the programs that you've developed that are then delivered, 
are they delivered during instruction time or are they delivered at different times of the day? Yeah, so it's a combination. It's mostly during the after school space because that's really how we started um, with the pandemic and the changes in education and and just uh, being more having more flexibility. We've been able to incorporate some of our classes and curriculum during the school day. Um, one of our big things that we want to do looking forward is, you know, we have amazing curriculum that's aligned with STEM standards, that's aligned with computer science standards, that schools uh, ob obviously see and the impact of uh, through our programs. We want to actually take that in the future and train more teachers around it. That way we can have a multiplier effect and provide professional development for more educators. Because if we can give them curriculum in the classroom and help them feel confident in delivering it, mm -hmm. then they can also be a representation of us and bring more access into the classroom on a school day too. So it's something we wanna do going forward more of. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it, I, I, I like your, your vision on this because you're much closer to it than I am. In this area, I don't know that it is just the schools that are in lower socioeconomic areas that are lacking in the, in the tools, the equipment, and the training. It feels to me this is a pervasive challenge across many public schools here that I'm familiar with here in, in Southern California and Orange County in particular. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, I, I would say just from my assessment of what I've seen, um, it's not just for low-income, under-resourced schools. It is it is a big education kind of wide issue. Um, and there's a lot of reasons to that, right? One of the big things is a lot of folks who go into studying technical disciplines oftentimes go into the workforce and they're, you know, they spend a lot of time in the workforce and then they come back maybe in 20 years into education as more of a long-term thing. So what happens there is, you know, you have people who have the depth of knowledge around computer science or engineering, but they're going off into the workforce and they're not able to go directly into education and teach those, right? So education, oftentimes there's a big shortage of teachers who understand computer science and engineering at a depth level. Um, so a lot of times, you know, English teachers or math teachers I know are asked to step up and learn things and it's hard for them because they don't have all the resources or know-how either. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a wide variety of issues to that. Um, I'm a big believer in we need to reinvent and adapt our education system as we move forward. Um, you know, again, this is my opinion here, but uh, I think, you know, we've, we've taught English, we've taught math, we've taught science for so many years growing up, but we need to be able to teach more 21st century skills. We need to be able to teach technology to kids. We need to be able to teach emotional intelligence to kids because those are things that are now required of, you know, to thrive in, in a workforce, to thrive in a community that we, we just don't have fully integrated from the get-go, right? And, you know, technology isn't an industry unto itself because it has been pervasive across so many different industries. And what I have seen over my career is that when technology really becomes robust, it disintermediates that industry. It, cha it fundamentally changes the industry, which then requires different skill sets and people to be resilient in that industry to be able to be comfortable with it. So I think what you're doing in your organization is helping at a very young age, students to understand the value of at least being comfortable, you know, being a digital native as it were, and then having the confidence to be able to do more than use the technology, probably be in control of it, which is super exciting. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, you know, one of the most rewarding things for kids is they come into a class and, 
you ask them a simple question of, do you think you could create a game? And I go, no, but then at the end of it, they have done it. And to be able to empower students to understand that like they can not just be, you know, consumers of technology, Mm -hmm. but that they can be creators, I think is a really powerful thing that we often forget to remind kids. Um, And in, you know, in my line of work and in just kids that have been in my life too, that I've grown up with and seen grow up, um, it's pretty remarkable, you know, what, what they latch onto and, um, I, I think, I think they're way smarter. The generations coming up are way smarter than I will be or my, the ones that, you know, uh, precede me, but I think we have a duty and I feel a responsibility to be at least able to give them the tools to succeed in that sense. Yeah. So, so this is all fantastic. And we know that nonprofits are a corporation with just a different business model, but there's still a business underneath this. It mm-hmm. takes time and money and people's salaries. How do you in your organization, raise the funds required to be able to do the work that you're doing? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, I think, as, as you said, right, nonprofits, they're a nonprofit from a legal sense, but they're a business at the end of the day. And um, that's something I, I take very seriously. And so we we as a nonprofit, even though we're legal as a nonprofit, we try to run like a business, right? Um, we have partnerships with schools. We have uh, partnerships with funders. So we, you know, we do have some grant funding that we receive and that we write for, um, but a lot of our actual partnerships is really through uh, government and school district funding, where we want to partner with schools, help them understand the value of the work we're doing, and have them invest public education dollars into these, uh, into bringing more access um, to these type of programs for kids. So, uh, you know, we we diversify in that sense from not just having uh, revenue through schools and partnerships but through foundations and then through corporate partners, which is a small area for us right now, but it's one that we want to grow because we have a lot of engagement that we want to bring volunteers from companies into to speak to kids at our STEM nights or at our showcases to help validate and and help them understand that like what they're learning is actually applicable in the real world. Um, And it's something that they can kind of tie a long-term career to in that sense. And we have such a, foundation of technology laden businesses in Orange County with UCI being at at, at the center of a lot of that development. So it's it's um, it's exciting for me to see how that ecosystem has really been accelerating and maturing and growing as other entrepreneurs stay in Orange County to grow their technology companies and don't have to go to Silicon Valley or some other location that we have the ecosystem here that supports it. Absolutely. I know there's a lot of regional efforts here to make Orange County kind of the next Silicon Valley and then say in its own hub. And we're seeing that across the U.S., right, from Austin to other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it, is a, it is an exciting place to be. So let's talk about tomorrow, Nathan. What do, what do you see for the organization's future? Yeah, uh, you know, for us, this is a big year because we just hit our first five years of operations, um, which is monumental. And mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy to think about, uh, you know, five years ago, we were just starting in a small way. Um, where we're really looking to go is we want to really build out a more robust pipeline of programs for kids across mm-hmm. all ages. Um, and then our next step is, can we work with schools and more partners to get that pipeline and to get kids going through that? on a consistent basis, year in, year out, to be able to have more sense of continuity. Um, so like imagine a first grader going through our program and then for five years going through different exploration and learning different aspects of it. I mean, that changes 
um, a mindset and that helps introduce a lot more long-term thinking um, and, and could influence behavior change. So that's a big piece of what we want to do is we want to grow uh, our, continue to grow our, our pipeline and then really just um, reach more students through partnerships. Um, we're big on partnerships. Uh, we partner with not just school districts, but community partners. Uh, with the pandemic, it's really opened it up for us from teaching virtually, not just here in Orange County, but expanding regionally. So that's one thing we want to do is find quality partners that are willing to trust us um, and give us an opportunity to work in their networks uh, and to be able to grow uh, slowly, uh, but but surely in that sense. So, And again, we're kind of bringing it back to the people, right? Absolutely. Looking for relationships and partnerships that can uh, help you to accelerate your impact in mm-hmm. different communities. So how would someone learn more about <clears throat> your organization or connect with you, Nathan? Yeah, uh, you know, we have a pretty cool website. We will be redoing a new one to really announce our future plans later this year. But you can check us out at dreamsforschools.org. Um, I'm also available on LinkedIn and we're pretty active as a company on social media and have been trying to be. So people are welcome to follow us, uh, stay engaged. We have a ton of volunteering opportunities. Um, we just came off doing our last week, our uh, first girls in STEAM night, because uh, we do have a big focus on getting more young women interested in STEM fields. Um, so there's tons of ways, I think, to get involved. Um, I would say just reach out. I know oftentimes it's really hard to reach out to a strange organization that you've never heard of or to someone new that's not in your network, but I would say just reach out. I think, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And um, that's one of my favorite quotes that, you know, I'm a basketball fan too, if you can't tell. Um, but I think, I think you, you just reach out and we'll, we'll happily get involved. So I'm I'm going to wrap up the show, but I thought, <clears throat> do you have open enrollment programs that are not affiliated specifically with the schools? Yeah, that's a good okay. question. Um, you know, all of our programs and classes that we have, typically the schools that we work with and everything, there's no cost to the students. But we did start introducing open enrollment programs more for public um, in regions that we don't work in and things like that, uh, that are available through our website at a small min- minimal cost. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Well, i I'm excited to watch what you're doing, and and I'm so glad that we've had a chance to kind of just touch the surface on the impact that you're making. This is very exciting, and I want to thank you for being a friend of the program and a part of our community. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, Enjoyed it, and uh, look forward to staying in touch with you, and uh, hopefully we get some more folks uh, interested in our programs, too. That's the hope, and I'd like to thank the audience for being a part of Orange County's longest-running business talk show Nithin's interview was interview number 1,349 in our catalog. And if you're an Orange County entrepreneur or executive director of a nonprofit and you would like to share your story, then contact me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick Franzi, R-I-C-F-R-A-N-Z-I, or visit my website, which is rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.